This week on the Pro Wrestling Podcast, podcast. Vince McMahon is back in the news with a brand new documentary, a brand new lawsuit or two to go along with some accusations, and he wants to return to the job despite it all. We'll take a look. Eric Bischoff responds to Ric Flair's comments from last week. Here we go. Speaking of Ric Flair, Ric Flair goes nuclear and roasts everybody. Including more on Eric Bischoff and good old JR? What? And Mandy Rose has been released from the WWE. I'm your host, Seth Grimes, and this is the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Seth Grimes. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you and your family. I say that now because, as a reminder, I will not be here next week for Christmas or the week after for New Year's Day. So enjoy it with your family. I'm still looking to probably put up some bonus content. I'm still kind of working through what I want to do. I know there's a watch-along out there I want to do. Uh, kind of a fun, unique one that uh, might be under some people's radar. So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, I'll find some other shit to do to entertain you guys. I'm going to be working. I'm just going to, you know, I, I'm not going to have access to my studio because I'm going to be traveling and just, you know, it's just shit. So I also, uh, despite this week being a fucking insane week, I expect the next couple weeks to be slow, but we will see. But this week, holy shit. Uh, and it just keeps coming. Like uh, I'm recording this early because I'm going to be traveling. I still have podcasts to get through, and there still could be news to be broke. It's just been an insane week. Lots of fun stuff to cover. I'm going to try to cover a wide variety of things this week as well. Going to hit a lot of little uh, hit hit points in different areas that maybe I don't always hit. So I'm excited to get into it. Let's just dive right in because we got a lot to tackle. Starting with our first topic, just when you thought he was gone forever, Vincent Kennedy McMahon has stated that he wants to come back to the WWE. He is saying that he was given bad advice by people close to him, probably Stephanie and Triple H, so that and Nick Khan, so that they can all just fucking take over and, and, and steal the fucking company from Vince and push him out of the way because he's a fucking weirdo old man who is behind the times and it's time for him to go. But he is not ready to go quietly yet. I, in fact, look, I'm shocked that dude even went away to begin with, you know, I would have thought his whole approach the whole time would have been, ah, it'll blow over. I think that's where it started, but as the cases kept coming, he finally stepped down, and the cases are still coming, so I don't know how he thinks he can slide his way back in, uh, but this came out in regards to the Wall Street Journal story that broke that, uh, 
Two more people are now suing Vince McMahon for damages from alleged sexual assaults. Alleged. Uh, this includes Rita Chatterton, the uh, first female referee that accused Vince of rape back in the 80s. She's coming out now, and she wants a piece of the pie. And then some other bitch. I don't fucking know. This is going to continue. Every chick that Vince ever had sex with is going to come out of the woodwork and try to get a piece of that fucking that big money pie that Vince McMahon's sitting on. And uh, it could be the it could be, you know, uh, really bad for Vince. This could just keep happening until he's fucking like bankrupt. You know what I mean? Like they can suck him dry for all he is worth. Um, but yet, despite all of this, he is wanting to come back to WWE. And I don't know if he just feels like he can just stroll through the front door and fucking take right back over. Uh, let's take a look at this clip from Brian Alvarez as he kind of gives his thoughts on the situation over at Wrestling Observer Radio. Despite his retirement, McMahon remains WWE's majority shareholder. In the Wall Street Journal story... That was published today. It is noted that McMahon has told people that he, quote, intends to make a comeback to WWE. McMahon feels that he received, quote, bad advice from people close to him and thinks the allegations would have blown over if he didn't step down. Well, these two new allegations suggest that wouldn't happen, but that's what he thinks. And then it goes on and on. So Vince McMahon is the majority shareholder in WWE. So he owns the majority of the company, regardless of who's running it or who told him to go away. Vince is the biggest. He has the biggest slice of that fucking pie that everybody's coming for, right? Like he fucking he's still the majority owner. And with that comes a lot of influence now. Uh, can Vince just stroll right through the back door and just sit back down at gorilla table and fucking throw the headset on and be like, well, I'm back now. No, not exactly. Um, so as the majority shareholder, he has a lot of sway. He can influence the board of directors, but ultimately this decision is up to the board of directors. If they don't want Vince McMahon in there, then they don't, then they're not going to let him back in. You know, they are who appoints the chairman and the CEO, and they are the ones who make these kind of big decisions. You know, Vince was in a position where he left, but if he wouldn't have left, he probably would have been asked to leave by the board. But it was a coup in a, in a sense, right? Like the, the, the board overthrew Vince, and rightfully so, because he was creating a lot of bad press, and he's continuing to create bad press. You know, Vince McMahon is in a lot of trouble and it's it's heat on the company and it's better to step aside and let the company continue to function. Uh, he's right to an extent that this will eventually blow over. You know, people people are talking about it now. But once all you know, once the people stop coming out of the woodwork trying to sue Vince, uh, people are going to forget about this. You know, they'll remember, but it's not going to be like whatever you know what i mean it's the same like think about rick flair you know like how irate was everybody and canceled rick flair when he was that dark side of the ring came out and he was showing his penis to the fucking chick on the plane 
Nobody cares anymore. They're over it. You know what I mean? So, yes, Vince McMahon, uh, people will remember the things that he did. But I still think at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, he will be loved and admired regardless because he's Vince. Um, but he cannot just walk through the door and come back. He's going to have to go through the board of directors. Now, being the majority shareholder, he has a lot of influence on the board of directors. And quite frankly, I believe he can. I mean, he he's the one who physically placed those people there. And I'm sure they're going to be uh, sympathetic to Vince McMahon, to say the least. But, uh, you know, I do believe he has the authority to remove board members as well as the um, majority shareholder. Uh, it's not going to happen. He wants to come back too late. He's gone. It's over. So I, I don't foresee this happening, but we all know Vince. He's stubborn as all hell. He never gives up. He loves a good fight. He's not going to go quietly off into the fucking sunset. Vince McMahon is going to fight this to the very last breath. And if that's what he was going to do, he should have never left. You know, if he was going to take somebody else's advice and leave for the betterment of the company, then he needs to fucking stay on. But he's Vince and he won't. He's going to try not to anyway. But fat chance getting the board of directors to remove Stephanie and Nick Khan and appoint uh, Vince McMahon. It's just not going to happen. Now, maybe they appoint him like chairman. And then they keep Nick and Steph as CEO. CEO does not need to be the chairman, you know. Um, but time will tell. But what do you guys think? This whole Vince McMahon shit. And and are we gonna? I'm sure we're gonna get more and more leaks and scandals. And we got more on Vince McMahon. We're gonna take a look at the um, the Vice documentary that came out this week as well. So lots of Vince McMahon stuff to get into. But I want to know your thoughts. Go ahead and leave them down in the comments below. Will Vince be back in the WWE or is he gone forever? And should he be back or should he be gone forever? Let me know. On to the next. Speaking of Vince McMahon, the Nine Lives of Vince McMahon documentary has aired on Vice. Apparently this is a documentary that they've had in the can for quite a while. And it was pretty good. It was uh, not unlike a Dark Side of the Ring episode, just longer. Uh, it even had, you know, some of the reenactment type things. I think they actually used them from the Dark Side of the Ring, though. So I don't think they did them for uh, this particular show. But you could tell uh, it was in the same vein as those. I don't know if the same producers were involved with this Vince McMahon doc or not. Uh, it was an unauthorized doc, as far as I can tell. It did not have, uh, you know, they started right from the beginning that Vince had declined to participate. They had all kinds of people on this documentary, if you haven't seen it. And Meltzer and Brian Alvarez were a part of it. Um, you know, lots of different wrestlers from the past that had different opinions on things. And it was a, it was a pretty, it was a pretty fair documentary. I would say, um, you know, it was a bit more on the scandalous side or a lot more on the scandalous side. You know, the nine lives of Vince McMahon was kind of referring to, you know, how he seems to have this ability to keep getting himself out of trouble. And the common theme was kind of pointed out in the show that the common theme here is just Vince just feels like he can buy his way out of everything. 
they started off uh, telling the story about uh, little Vinny, who grew up in the trailer park as a troubled kid. Uh, they got into some molestation allegations that Vince hinted to or talked about, I think, in his Playboy interview. Uh, and then they kind of quickly jumped into him trying to get into the WWF under his dad, and his dad keeps turning him away till finally he gives him a shot as an announcer. And it just kind of goes through his whole story, but it, it hits the highlights of uh, the big moments, like you know, joining WWF under his dad, taking it over from his dad, buying out the territories. We've heard that whole story a million times. Told every which way. I felt like this one was a little bit more in depth on the story between him and his dad, though. Uh, it was, you know, kind of key. You know, this was the first time I had heard really that more detail. I guess I had heard before that there people tried to when Vince started buying up all the territories. The territory owners started trying to convince Vince Senior. To talk some sense into Junior. Like, come on, man. What are you doing? And uh, they kind of went into more detail about that. You know, about the sit down where apparently Vince Sr. was like, bro, you can't be doing that shit. And Vince Jr. was just like, well, I'm going to fucking do it anyway. And you work for me now, bitch. So you're either going to come along with me or you're not. But I'm going to do it. Uh, and it was not very... It was a little, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but it wasn't much different than that. It was very much a Vince, you can see Vince, even his own dad, well, you, well, you work for me now, technically, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and do this, and you can be with me or you can be against me, but I'm going to do it anyway, you know. Uh, and then, you know, they went into the big gamble of WrestleMania and all that stuff was really fascinating because even though I've heard it before, they did kind of have either new details or just approached it in a different way. Um, but then they just got right into his scandals starting, you know, they covered all of them, dude. They covered Jimmy. I didn't count, but there was probably nine scandals. That might've been why they called it the nine lines <laughs> other than the, you know, um, but uh, they covered Jimmy Snuka. They covered the steroid trial. They covered uh, Black Tuesday when he tried to, you know, go on TBS back in the eighties. They covered um, WCW, and they covered the rape allegations uh, from Rita Chatterton, the the referee chick. And it was just, you know, they went really in depth on all his scandals, and. The common theme was Vince really kind of feels he can buy his way out of shit. You know, any kind of trouble that he got himself into, throw a little money at it and it goes away. Huh. Well, that works. And he's got a real goddamn good lawyer, too. Uh, that Jerry McDivitt guy, you know, he's good at uh, throwing money at problems and making them go away. And, you know, they the, the show covers all the way up into his uh, current scandal and his leave from WWE. And uh, it was it was very cool documentary, very much worth a watch. I wouldn't say any of it's groundbreaking or, you know, even at the way it's produced, it looks very dark side of the ringish, even if it wasn't by what Jason and Evan or those guys. Um, you know, it could have just been a, a different crew on Vice. 
using some of the same footage from Dark Side of the Ring and just using the same kind of vibe. Wrestling must do good for them. You know, they keep digging into this. I hope this documentary does good for them because I'd like to see more on this kind of stuff. Uh, You know, they even talked about Linda, which is something that wasn't really ever addressed by many people. They talk about how uh, it was pretty common knowledge that Linda and Vince separated somewhere around 2012, you know, uh, people inside the industry. But people didn't really know much about it outside the industry. So they're talking about how it kind of looks bad, like Vince is cheating on her and stuff, when in actuality he is single and ready to mingle. Ha <laughs> um, Vince is such a fucking character. Even as a kid, you know, they talk about how much trouble he got into and stuff like that, getting in fights, stealing cars, like just fucking just a fucking rebel right from the very beginning, you know, Vince always always the badass. They talked about a lot of his failed business ventures prior to WWE and even during WWE. It's it, it was like I said, it's a little dark, but there's a lot of good information in there. A lot of fascinating takes, a lot of interesting perspectives, and it just the whole thing's definitely worth a watch if you're into that kind of shit. And if you haven't seen it already, I give it very high reviews. Um, and you know that mixed with all the new shit with Vince McMahon, it's it's. Going to be interesting to see what his legacy is going to be. I think there's a movie in the works for Vince as well. And I'm just, you know, uh, the man the man had quite the downfall. I would not expect to see him back in WWE anytime soon. And uh, he may just end up, fuck, he may just end up bankrupt and in financial ruin with all these lawsuits that my guests are going to continue to come. They're just going to continue to come. Um Russo, Russo was on the on the show too. Vince Russo, it's very interesting hearing his hot takes on everything that was going on. But encourage you to check it out for yourself. On to the next. Well, Eric Bischoff, in true Eric Bischoff fashion, has responded. He clapped back, if you will, at Ric Flair. If you remember last week, we covered the topic of Ric Flair. Taking shots at Eric Bischoff, apparently in this documentary that Ric Flair's got coming up. And it's supposed to take a deep dive into Rick's whole career and kind of hit it with some truth. And apparently Eric Bischoff was a little too truthy on there. Uh, before that, they had kissed and made up. You know, they said they, they liked and respected each other. That they were, uh, you know, going out and having drinks together and shit like that. And now all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, Eric, just on this documentary, and I haven't seen it yet, and, and nobody has, uh, but apparently Eric's a little bit stiff with some of his comments on Flair, and that pissed Flair off. So he called uh, Bischoff an arrogant prick. And, of course, uh, you know, Bischoff couldn't let that slide. Uh, apparently there was a tweet in there from Flair, too, somewhere along the way talking about, you know, how over they were as the horsemen or whatever. I, I don't remember the exact thing. Uh, no, he, he put out a promo. He put out a promo going hard on Eric Bischoff. Uh, from WCW, and uh, Bischoff had responded, and this is what he had to say. Check out this clip. Why, uh, why are you popping off at my father-in-law, Ric Flair, on social media? 
hey, I, he started that shit. I had, I, I was perfectly content to sit back and just, you know, mind my own business and stay quiet. But just started blabbing about a bunch of stuff that he was pissed off at me about. I was just defending myself. I'm more than happy. I am more than happy to just let it go and just forget it all ever happened. Rick posts this video of him cutting a promo on me from back in whenever and 1998, so 24 yeah, years ago. And and you wonder why, Eric. You really wonder why, woo. And I, I just pointed out this is some of a, Rick's best work, and he should thank me for that. I brought that out in him. I brought that level of emotion, and I brought out what became really the best Ric Flair. I brought that out of him. He should be thanking me for helping him to get over instead of just being a whiny baby about this whole thing. I don't get it. Well, Eric, uh, you wrote, I made you to Ric Flair. I did make him, you know, Rick, Rick was in WCW right after Ted Turner bought it. And, you know, it was, it, 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 it was great, you know, for a lot of people, but the truth is WCW couldn't make any money with Ric Flair. So what did Ric Flair do? He went to WWE and guess what? Couldn't make any money with Ric Flair and WWE. So guess what? Rick comes back to WCW and WCW still couldn't make any money with him in 93 and 94, which is why I had to go out and get Hulk Hogan. Rick's a great performer. Don't get me wrong. He's been, he's a legend, but when it comes to business, I had to do what I had to do. And if that just rubs Rick the wrong way and he can't let it go. I'm really sorry about that, but my God, let it go. I will encourage you to check out the follow-up clip to this because Ric Flair did also respond to Eric Bischoff's response. So that's why I say, here we go. You know, we're just, we're in it now. This is just going to be back and forth. Bischoff doesn't let shit go. And neither does Flair, apparently. Flair's a pretty, uh, you know, this has been one of my main criticisms of Ric Flair, to be honest with you. And I'll get into it more. I got another clip later. If you're watching the clips, just check out the Ric Flair clip. You'll know it when you see it from this week. Um, otherwise, you know, just in general, Rick's a pretty uh, bitter guy. Sorry, I got some fucking shit in my eye or something. I don't fucking know. Just bear with me while I fucking twitch, twitch my eye out, you know, because I'm not going to not going to stop the video to fucking fix it. So deal with it. Um, but Eric Bischoff never shy to fucking respond. He never bites his tongue. He never holds back. He's never the better man. You say something about Eric Bischoff or you even say something that offends Eric Bischoff. Ask Tony Khan said something about Ted Turner and you would have thought he fucking called Bischoff's mom a whore or something. You know what I mean? Like he's fucking Bischoff can hold a grudge and he will go at you and he'll go at you with fury. And as I said last week, Bischoff, uh, he likes it. This is sport to Bischoff. He gets off on pushing people's buttons getting into fights, getting into arguments. It's a sport. He wants to see how well he can do in an argument, how well he can hold up. Same with, you know, he fancies himself a tough guy, likes to get in fights just to just to fucking do it. So he says anyway. I'd, I'd fight Eric Bischoff. I'd kick, fucking, I'd kick him right in the balls. I don't give a shit. Uh, <laughs> no, but... Um, yeah, Bischoff kind of going hard on Ric Flair here and just continued to bury him. And then that, that caused Conrad to get heated. And then Bischoff and Conrad got into it. And it was awkward at times. But this makes for great podcasting, right? Like, 
Look, uh, Conrad even asked, where is this leading? I think he asked uh, Flair, actually, on Flair's show. Where is all this heat leading? They need, Conrad needs to get Bischoff and Flair together. Hopefully not on, like, a live event at fucking the Crab Cakes place, you know, and Jimmy's famous seafood. I'm talking about, like, on the podcast. We need, like, a face-to-face or at least, you know, over fucking, you know, Zoom or StreamYard or whatever they're doing. And 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 get those two together and let them hash it out. Just fucking go at it because clearly there's some unresolved issues going on there. They had kissed and made up and made peace, but I don't feel like any either one of them ever really made the peace. I feel like they agreed to just forget about it and and be nice to each other, but I don't think their opinions of each other or opinions of you know how they feel about things ever really changed they just you know let's let bygones be got bygones and let's just get past it um but at the same time fuck you <laughs> uh eric bischoff not afraid to hold back and he was harsh now i have a feeling you know that was gonna be the news story coming out of this but <laughs> then rick flair had to open his mouth and i have a feeling that that's going to even overshadow this one here from bischoff but i wanted to make sure that this saw the light of day because uh it's worth noting all the things that bischoff had to say and uh look for my money the horsemen were the shit you know uh to some extent when i was a little little kid like i never got into the country shit i've always thought country was equal boring to me as a little kid listening into it in the radio on the radio in the car you know parents listening to it or whatever it's like eh you know like country never got into wrestlers that wore cowboy boots or had the cowboy gimmick so i wasn't a barry windham fan bless his heart i hope he's recovering well after his uh heart attack um, you know, thoughts and prayers with him, but I never, you know, he had the cowboy boots on and shit. I didn't give a fuck about him as a kid. Dustin Rhodes and like the natural, oh, they call him the natural. You know, just that theme music was cringe. Now it's kind of fun, but you get my point. Jeff Jarrett, never like, I just, meh, fuck these southern country bunking guys. Um, <laughs> So it's it's not my thing. Where was I even going? Uh, the horsemen, yeah, they seemed they did seem regional to Bischoff's point, um, but they were over as far as I could tell. I don't know what kind of money they were bringing in in the eighties. I'm sure they were bringing in a lot. Um, but you know, Bischoff's there's there's he's not entirely wrong when he says that they were a regional promotion, or I mean a region. Well, Crockett was a regional promotion with national television. Uh, you know, which made the Horsemen a regional act that was not as over when WCW was natural uh, national, uh, but they were also you know past their prime. The, the Horsemen was an '80s act. You know, that's something I think you know is is kind of lost in the mix here. The Horsemen weren't. It's the same as Hulk Hogan. Hogan was an '80s act, and you know if he was going to continue to be the red and yellow. Say your prayers, eat your vitamins, brother. He he wasn't going to last in the 90s. He was dying a slow death. That's why he had to become Hollywood Hogan. It's just, you know, that act, it just wasn't going to be as strong in the 90s. And, yes, WCW had a better run than Crockett. Crockett made more money consistently, as I understand it, you know, over the years. they were, But they were also regional and uh, weren't doing things on as big of a level 
Eric Bischoff, uh, you know, WCW burned hot and fast. You know what I mean? They were um, one of those kind of gimmicks. And they, you know, they beat WWE. And I do believe they're still, you know, had the biggest money-making years in the entire history of pro wrestling. Like more than WWF ever has in any year. Maybe not now. I think that's a that's a bit of a stretch with these fucking billion-dollar TV deals and the, the sweet Saudi money and all that stuff. But, um you know, it's something you know. Conrad said anyway that that Eric Bisch, uh, Eric Bischoff led WCW to the most. Uh, maybe it was in that time, um, but I do believe he said to this day. So, you know, there's an argument to be had back and forth, but I think the overall point here is why are we arguing about this 25 years later anyway? Who cares? Let's let it go. And uh, you know, Bischoff had let it go. But Bischoff is not going to stay silent. He's not going to let it go when you're talking shit. You know, Flair went on his podcast last week and he talked shit about Eric Bischoff. And he tried to brush it off. Oh, I just said that he was an arrogant dick. And he was. And, it, and Bischoff is an arrogant dick. And he'll probably tell you that if you ask him, get a couple beers in him, he'll be like, yeah, I'm an arrogant dick. He knows what he's doing when he says stupid shit like that. But, um, you know, he's on that fucking documentary. Whatever he said. He, I'm sure he said it with his little shit-eating Eric Bischoff grin. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Flair clapped back, and, and Bischoff's now going to go at him hard. He's going to just gonna fucking destroy him. And, of course, Flair responded, and I'm sure Bischoff will respond, and it's going to be this whole fucking loop of nonsense and back and forth. But you know what? It's entertaining, and at least for now it's a story. Um, you know, same with Bischoff and Tony Khan. You know, I covered that for... Well, it was hot, but then it just became Bischoff's weekly gimmick is burying AEW. And, you know, uh, that'll probably be the case here until somebody else crawls up his ass. But we shall see. What are your thoughts down below on any of this? Who's in the right? Who's in the wrong? Is Bischoff in the wrong for just being a dick face in general? Uh, is you know just a smarmy prick? We all know he is. Is Flair in the wrong because he's so sensitive and touchy and gets offended by everything? And, and, you know, he was the one who drew first blood on Bischoff on his podcast. Or uh, do you want to comment on the Horsemen, WCW, Crockett Promotions, any of that? Just leave it down below. And we're going to go ahead and move on to the next. Well, I was excited to tune in to the Be The Man podcast with Ric Flair and Conrad Thompson this week. To hear if Flair had anything else to say about Eric Bischoff and Eric Bischoff's response to Ric Flair. And not only did we get a response from Ric Flair about Eric Bischoff, but we got full nuclear Ric Flair. He fucking just buries the world in this podcast. He goes hard. He was on one this time. He was had a fucking hair up his ass. And he was pissy, and he was ready to go. Check out these clips. I'm not ashamed to admit it. I cracked when he walked into WWE TV. I, I, I almost shed. I did. I thought, oh, my God, this can't be happening again. Right. But Vince finds a way to make money with everybody, and he went out the door. I've been put in a lot of positions. Fucking horrible. Buried in the desert and everything else. I've never been put in a fucking garbage truck and dumped in a fucking garbage can. That'll be his legacy. 
what you uh what do you make of this uh moment of candor from Jim Ross about Johnny Ace? Well, uh, gosh, you know, I know them both about the same. And um once again, I know it all. So Jim Ross lost every bit of credibility with me in life in spite of calling me the greatest wrestler of all time or, or whatever uh, induction and all the bullshit when he jumped on the dark side of wrestling because all he is starving for and leaning on life is to be relevant because he ain't. So I can forgive Jim Ross for dark side of wrestling, which I have because there's nothing worth it. But um, I, I don't appreciate it. Jerry Lawler texts me. I don't know how many people said, what the fuck did Ross mean? we got to know when to walk away from Ric Flair. Huh. Well, the WWE learned when to, when, when to walk away from, from Jim Ross. I'm going to the 30th edition, 30th reunion. You think he is? I'm glad I listened all the way to the end on this one because it was right at the very end when Conrad was like literally trying to wrap things up that he went hard on Jim Ross and my jaw literally dropped. I was listening. I was sitting at my desk at work and I fucking. That was it. Like I, I was literally like about to shut it off because there were minutes left. You know, it was just, okay, we're going to wrap things up now, and, and this is what we're going to do next week, and whatever. You know, they were close to the end, and Flair just fucking, boom, just dropped that bomb on Jim Ross. First of all, his response to Eric Bischoff, <laughs> this is just going to keep going. Bischoff ain't going to be quiet about this. You, we know Eric Bischoff. He's not going to be the better man. He's not going to take the high road. He is not going to, when we tune in to 83 weeks next week, Eric Bischoff is not going to get through that episode without responding again to Ric Flair. And it was a, I mean, 83 weeks, I did a, a clip earlier. If you're not listening to the full show, I encourage you to go check out the clip I did about uh, this week's 83 weeks episode with Bischoff. Because Bischoff fucking... He went hard on Flair, you know. He went on a particular rant, and it and it pissed off Conrad, and Conrad got heated and with Eric, and it was a it was a pretty hot uh, conversation to start the show there. So I highly recommend checking that out. But you know, you know, Bischoff ain't gonna let this shit go. He's just it's not how it is. It's not how he rolls. So I would expect to see this to keep going back and forth. Look, I want to see those two face to face. I want to see him fucking. I want to see see a podcast with them two and just Conrad can mediate, moderate, whatever you want to call it, referee the shit, and just let those two go at it. Point counterpoint, point counterpoint. Let them go. Um, I think it'd be good TV. You know, I I'm not a big drama guy, and I don't like when wrestlers just talk shit about people and um you know i typically don't like it but it is it does make for entertaining uh tv for a little while anyway entertaining viewership um but and rick flair man this has been one of my main criticisms about rick flair for quite a while is this fucking in in if you go back uh, I believe it was my vo most viewed clip ever of all time ever with Ric Flair uh, when he split off from Mark Madden. Remember, he was doing the podcast with Mark Madden before Conrad 
And, uh, you know, he basically ditched him and publicly humiliated him. And uh, Rick came off as very bitter. And in, in, uh, it seems, and, and it saddens my heart because I like Ric Flair. I respect Ric Flair. As a wrestling fan, you can't not respect Ric Flair. But when you see him, like, he's constantly, like, and especially after his near death, you would think that he would find peace in his heart and just learn to let things go. But he holds on to everything. Everything offends him. Everything's a personal shot. Last week, he got pissy at Arn because Arn said that the fucking uh, whatever. I forgot the name of it, but whatever the gimmick was where Flair was under the mask, under the hood there. And uh, Arn, Arn had said that he thought it was a stupid gimmick or a terrible gimmick. And, and that offended Flair. Like, nothing I do is stupid. Nothing I do sucks. Something like that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, And he said it a couple times. Like, it really kind of crawled under his skin a little bit. And now he's sitting here. He's just fucking burning bridges all around him. And he's trying to rope Conrad in with it, too, because he'll ask Conrad. He'll be like, what did Bischoff ever do? Did he do this? Huh? You tell me. Or he was doing that with Ross. You know, he's just like, well, I'm I'm invited to WWE's 30th anniversary or whatever. Do you think think, uh, Jim Ross is going to be invited? Huh? No, because nobody likes him. Uh, You know... (laughs) That kind of shit, like, and especially with Jim Ross, like, I was just so shocked he went hard on Jim Ross like that. Like, that was brutal. And and look, Ross said some things on that Dark Side of the Ring documentary. But Conrad was quick to point out that Jim Ross was upset by the Dark Side of the Ring documentary. He thought it was taken out of context or creatively edited to sound different than he said obviously he said the words but if they're taken out of context or rearranged or whatever it it, it can create a different you know context of what he's saying there but i mean the words he said were the words he said and they were still pretty stiff to flare um but look man a lot of those stories are true like you can't now the stewardess was on dark side of the ring saying and i know i'm all over the pool i'm just gonna yak until we get through this here so bear with me or fuck off if you want i don't care um (laughs) but the stewardess is saying that flair wanted to touch his you know forced the the lady to touch her his his little flair there you know the little flair gimmick there little nature little little nature but he you know i don't know if he did that but he's very well known for walking around just exposing himself to everybody and that's sexual assault in itself if you expose yourself to a woman dude that's like so i mean he at the very least showed his dick to this chick at at the very least he did you know he did can't deny that so when when jim ross is on this documentary he's got to tell the truth he's not going to cover for flair it's not going to be one of the boys. And Flair was doing this whole thing. I know everything on this podcast. He's like, and, you know, he said the same thing about uh, Jericho because then he roped Jericho in with the, I told you he buried everybody on this. He roped Jericho in with this because Jericho was the host of the Dark Side of the Ring episode. And he's like, you're telling me that Jericho didn't know about this? And he's like, I know a lot about Jericho, too. He's just like, these guys are lucky that I'm not the same guy type of man that they are because i know everything and it's like fuck you dude like 
and I'm sure some of you listening are like, yeah, Ric Flair's the man. Bury everybody. Fuck all these guys. But, like, I hate that attitude. It's negative. It's a negative attitude. He's got such a bitter, horrible outlook on the world. And look, I'm not the most positive guy in the world. I can be a dick. I can be grumpy. I can be, uh, you know, bitch and rant and complain about people on here all the time. But I try to be fair. And I try to be balanced. And I try to put shit over where shit needs to get put over. And I don't just rag on shit for the sake of ragging on shit to get clicks and views and shit. You know what I mean? I make my point the way I see it. I call it like I see it good, bad, or indifferent. And I, I just don't like people that live in that world of negativity where you feel the need to bury everybody, everybody, literally everybody. Uh, you know, I'm sure Rick would bury Conrad if Conrad disagreed with him. He kept trying to get Conrad to agree with him. And then he even tried to do the thing like, you know, like he tried to rope Conrad's wife in with this, which is Flair's daughter. Saying that, you know, because Bischoff is on record saying he's, you know, him and his wife have a good relationship with Conrad and his wife. And, you know, that they hang out a lot. Maybe they're swingers. I don't fucking know. But, you know, Flair's like, well, I talked to Megan and she said no. Uh, You know, she laughed about it. Come on, Dad. Yeah, right. Um, And then he's like, right, Conrad? When's the last time Eric's been to your house? You know what I mean? And it's like... Why are you trying to do us to quit trying to stir shit up? Quit trying to turn Conrad against the other people he's in business with, both Jim Ross and Eric Bischoff. Um, there's no response that I was able to uh, gather. Again, like I said, I'm recording earlier in the week. This week I said it at the uh, in the intro of the full show, not the clip here, but I am recording early. Uh, I did listen to a good part of Jim Ross's podcast this week so far. Doesn't look like there's any response to this. I'm assuming it was recorded before, uh, you know, Flair's podcast made the air. So it'll probably be on next week's. We'll get to hear a response from Ross. Ross did double down on his John Laurinaitis comments this week, though. So he stands by those. Just so many people shit talking each other. Uh, God damn. But Flair is on one. Flair. And, and that was like the name of the podcast. They just titled it Flair's shit list. And it was. It was just his absolute just burial of everybody. But I was so shocked that he went hard on Jim Ross. And, like, I, I there's a kernel of a point, uh, a kernel of a truth for Ric Flair. You know, I, I see where he's coming from. I just think, like, you know, like, his words were so harsh. You've lost all credibility with me. Uh, WWE doesn't want you there, you know. Um God damn. You know what I mean? That's so harsh. That's harsh to say things like that. And, and you know, Flair tries to pull other people into it and do the whole, oh, WWE doesn't want you there either. They like me. They don't like you. And then he laughs about it and giggles and he's just like, <laughs> I'm a, you know, it was a terrible <laughs> He didn't quite laugh like that, but I mean, he was gleefully just shitting on everyone and, and a man that's on, you know, kicked out at fucking two and three quarters. You know what I mean? Uh, from his deathbed to have this second chance at life and just squander it by it. Maybe squander is not the right word. He's having fun. He's got side hustles. He's. 
he's out there doing his thing, but I feel like he's just, man, you know, he's going to be laying on his deathbed again one day feeling so sorry about all the people that he talks shit about or all the bridges that he burnt or, you know, what I'm sure on his final final deathbed or even when he passes and he looks back, does the whole reflecting on your life thing, I, I got to imagine he's going to feel really bad about not, you know, trying to, but not just letting shit go and trying to salvage friendships with these people and relationships and just, you know, let the small shit go. But it is what it is. Petty Ric Flair to the bitter end is, is that's how I see it anyway. That's how I'm calling it. Petty Ric Flair, even though he has points and everything that he's saying, I think, uh, you know, to just totally, totally destroy people like that and and cut them down to nothing and dismiss them and write them off. And, and you know, I, I feel like that's a bad approach. But, hey, that's just me. That's just my thoughts. This is an absolute must listen. You have to listen to this episode of this podcast uh, if you're into this kind of shit anyway. Because it's, I mean, it's it's fun, it's awkward, it's cringy, it's exciting, it's funny. Flair, I mean, he just spends a lot of it on Bischoff and then just goes into a couple other people. And it's like, wow, man, just scorched earth, nuclear bomb, Ric Flair shitting on everybody and, and put Conrad in a tough spot too. Conrad was pretty uncomfortable the whole time. You could tell he was having a hard time trying to navigate this because Rick kept trying to get Conrad to reassure him and, and be on his side about everything. And it was awkward, but it was a fun listen. Highly encourage it. Uh, we'll put the link down in the description below and uh, let me know your thoughts in the comments below and on to the next. Woo! Former NXT Women's Champion Mandy Rose has been released from the WWE. Uh, apparently she was fired over her not an OnlyFans account. Forgot what it's called, but it's, uh, you know, like a, like an equivalent. You know, it's like a B-level generic version of OnlyFans, as I gather. Same kind of thing, a way to uh, post up uh, you know, risque content behind a paywall and to collect subscriptions for content, pictures, videos, that sort of thing. Uh, apparently Mandy Rose had one of these gimmicks and was just doing bikini stuff for a while and then it started to get a little more risque. And uh, WWE was not happy about this. In fact, uh, as reported, it uh, looks like this was a uh, complaint by one of their business partners, one of their big lucrative business partners. And as you know, WWE has licensing deals and everything everywhere. So who knows where it came in from, but uh, certainly it was uh, something that was bringing in more money or more value to the WWE than Mandy Rose was because they let her ass go. Uh, apparently she, this was mutual because she was not willing to stop. She was advised that this was not going to fly. And apparently she was just making so much money doing what she was doing that she was like, yeah, well, I'm, I mean, I'm going to keep doing it. So do, do what you got to do, I guess. And then she was caught off guard by being fired like on the spot at NXT. For more information about it, check out this clip from the man who broke the news, Sean Ross Sapp over at Fightful. Fightful Select learned that Mandy Rose was uh, released by WWE. 
Um, I found out this afternoon, this was an abrupt decision, um, or found out this morning, rather. It was an abrupt decision, and uh, last night, right before NXT, we had learned, and I posted a little gif that Mandy Rose is going to drop the title. Later on FightfulSelect.com, best $5 in the business, please subscribe. We had reported that she was dropping the title to Roxanne Perez in that abrupt decision. And then this morning, we were told, uh, not only did she drop the title, she is released from the company. And as of now, ain't coming back. I was able to gain some significant context from WWE. They felt like the explicit nature of her content uh, exceeded the parameters of her WWE deal. Now, I want to make this clear. I don't know if this was completely WWE's side, if it was Mandy Rose asking for a release or uh, some sort of collaborative decision, but I was told that Mandy Rose did not seem interested in ceasing posting. Now, for those of you who are interested in what she was posting, there was some implied sexual activity. Uh, there were there were a lot of things like that. If you really want to see what she's posting, guess what? You can go to her website and subscribe. So have you gone out and looked for the videos and the pictures? Have you? Have you? Uh, I did. I went out and I looked for them. I don't know if I found them or not. Uh, I was having a hard time finding them, actually. I assume there's probably a Reddit thread somewhere. I did find one uh, that where they uh, had taken down the link. So apparently they it was there at some point. Uh, you know, if any of you people listening would like to, you know, slip me a link, you can just go ahead and slap that down in the comments below or even just tell me where to find it. I, I'm, I'm pretty savvy. Point me in the right direction and I'll, I want to take a look. I found there was one uh, couple videos of her in a pool where she was clearly topless, but her, her, her boobies were underwater. I don't know if that was one of these leaked videos or if it was something a little bit more uh risque than that um but you could you know you could clearly see some nip under the water there and stuff but i don't know if that's what it was but either way this is the kind of content that wwe's iffy about under vince you weren't even allowed to have any kind of content at all um at least on triple h's watch he's being and and steph and nick Khan, to be fair uh they're being lenient about having only fans accounts or uh, cameos or just any of these little side gimmicks that make you money. Um, <clears throat> and they make a lot of money. Mandy's, by all reports, making more money doing that than she is at NXT. Now, that's going to go down, by the way, because now she's not going to be on TV anymore, or at least maybe. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. But, you know, being off TV will significantly eventually She's going to start to see that decrease and decrease as people forget about her. But, you know, she's got herself in other places. She's on fitness magazines and that kind of stuff. Like, she's not a nobody. She can keep herself out there and keep grinding. <sighs> this is a shitty situation. I, I get WWE's standpoint, and here's why. I see a lot of people criticizing, oh, you guys sell their sex, and you guys used to do bra and panties, and... You know, you guys sell their sexuality and all that. Yes, I get that. But they are also fairly kid-friendly. And look, if they got all these licensing, big license, big licensing deals out there. If one of those people, any kind of sponsor or licensing partner, complains about something a wrestler's doing, 
and that could cause them to pull the plug. Let's say like this was their their toy deal or their video game deal, right? Let's say fucking Mattel or 2K Sports or something like that. We're just like, no, we don't want to. We're not, we, you know, if your wrestlers are gonna be out there making porn on the side, we're gonna we're just gonna get rid of you. You know what I mean? We're gonna have to find. We can't associate with that. Done. You have to as a business, as a as a corporate industry, you have to. Now, I don't think they just fired Mandy outright just because she had one. I believe there was a conversation that was had, um, at least from what's kind of circulating out there now. Uh, the the going story is that you know a conversation was probably had that hey, this is getting to be a little bit too much on your page there. You know, it's a little bit too risque for what we're like, what we want, you know, what we're going to tolerate. So we need you to tone it down. And uh, apparently Mandy Rose was uh, kind of weighed her options and decided, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'd like to still work here, but I'm not going to do that. So do what you got to do, I guess. And they did what they got to do. They did what they got to did. They, they cut her. <laughs> they let her go. Uh you know, it, it sucks, but I understand their point of view as a corporation. And I'll tell you what, if it was my decision and like a Mattel or a 2K or some clothing brand or anything that was making me more money than Mandy Rose was. And, you know, she was a big, big star on the rise. We'll, we'll get more into the wrestling side of it here in a minute. But just from a WWE corporate point of view, I see where they're coming from. You know, it's a no brainer. You know, you risk losing this deal. Or you, you, you let Mandy Rose go. You know, it's a big loss. She's a fine talent. She was really fucking finding her way. You know, when she first came in, she was the girl off tough enough that nobody liked. She was the bitchy girl there. And then she wasn't really doing a whole lot on TV that was really impressive. Though when she started working with Otis, that was starting to get over. She was, you know, starting to get attention there. And that was, fans liked that shit. Um, and then, you know, when she went to NXT and she kind of rebranded herself over there, she was the shit. Now on the main roster, I still think, you know, she's under a lot of people. She's got, you know, NXT was the place for her. It was a smart place to go because otherwise, you know, she's not going to be able to compete with, uh, you know, with, with Rhonda and Becky and Charlotte and, and, and fucking, uh, Jesus Christ, I'm blanking on the Bianca, and and the list goes on, right? She's Bailey. They're not. They're. She's got a lot of people that she's even Liv Morgan. You know, to a certain extent, I think is they're kind of the same thing. You know what I mean? In a lot of ways, and it, she's got a lot of competition on the main roster. Is what I'm saying. So then you look over. And NXT was a perfect spot, and she was dominating over there, and she was doing well. You know, were her matches five-star matches? No, but as a character, as a personality, she was getting over, and that's why she had that title reign for so long. It was working for her. It was good. Um, so it's sad to see it come to an end. Clearly, I'm not worried about her. She's going to do just fine. She's making tons of money there. I do expect to see her... Probably pop up in another wrestling company. We always say when somebody gets released, right, to AEW confirmed. Maybe she'll just go the route of, you know, no, I'm just going to be a fitness model now and and do my, you know, generic OnlyFans account and store brand OnlyFans and, and just, you know, 
go about her other projects. But I think, you know, it would behoove her to be on TV. You like that word? Behoove? Uh, it would behoove her to be on TV. That's going to help her brand quite a bit. Same thing I said about Sasha Banks. You know, it's good to, I guess not in the same way, but she's good to be able to still call herself a wrestler and be out there having wrestling matches. I think Mandy Rose should do that. And with AEW, they're going to be more lenient. Uh, they don't have sponsors, or I mean, they're not, they don't have shareholders, I should say. They definitely have sponsors and, and licensing deals and that kind of thing. Um, so there's still, I guess, a risk of that kind of stuff. But I, I think she's more likely to be able to get away with that over in AEW and have more free time. You know, it's a, it's a less rigorous schedule. So I would like to see her still be in wrestling. I thought she was really kind of coming into her own and she was starting to become very watchable. You know what I mean? Otherwise, I think, you know, she's going to be just fine and it is what it is. She knew full well that what she was doing could get her in trouble and it did. And so she has nobody to be upset about. They're not obligated to, to keep her on her roster while she's doing damn near porn, if that's the case, at least nudes and stuff. You're doing uh, porn's a bit much, but when you're doing nudes and you're, you're trying to sell toys to little kids and stuff at the same time, it is what it is. You got to look at it from both sides. But what are your thoughts? Let me know down in the comments. And seriously, if you have a link or you just point me in the right direction because unless unless the the pool ones were unless that's what it was i don't know let me know on to the next well brian pillman jr got himself into a little bit of trouble this week as he put his foot in his mouth taking a shot at bully ray on twitter seemingly out of nowhere there was a podcast or YouTube show by the name of In Depth, and Eric Bischoff was a featured guest on this show, and they were doing sort of a deep dive on some TNA stuff, and they were talking about the Aces and Eights faction, which fucking love that shit, even though TNA, um, but Bully was great, and Eric Bischoff was on the show just putting Bully Ray over as one of the best, if not the best, heels in the business. Check out this clip first as it adds context to the bigger story with Brian Pillman Jr. I still put Bully's heel work on the mic, in the ring, out on the street. I put Bully's heel work right up there with anybody that anybody thinks is the best in the business today. Right? So seemingly innocuous, nothing big there, just all love, right? Putting Bully over as one of the biggest heels, which he is. He's a fantastic heel. He's one of the nastiest, meanest heels. And the thing about him, like they said in the podcast clip there, is Bully Ray's a real-life heel, and it carries over, and that's why he's so effective. But nonetheless, didn't hurt anybody, right? It was doing just fine until the old Twitter machine got involved. As Bully Ray first posted this here on his Twitter, Bully Ray posted, thanks, at Eric Bischoff. What do you guys think? At Busted Open Radio. And then he linked to the video podcast in his feed below, or at least that clip from Bischoff, which I just played from you. 
And that was it. Bully shared it on Twitter. What do you think to bust it open? And thanks to Eric Bischoff. And then just all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we get this tweet reply from Brian Pillman Jr. In which he said to at Bully Ray, Eric Bischoff, and Busted Open Radio, I think you're an asshole. Why? What did this have to do with Brian Pillman Jr.? What am I missing? Are they working in Angle somewhere on the Indies? What's, what is the story here with this? Why on earth would you, and especially Bully Ray, I mean, he is an asshole and so is Eric Bischoff, but that's besides the point. You're poking the bear. And uh, poke the bear he did, and the bear woke up, and the bear bit his fucking head off, as Bully Ray replied with this. Thanks, Brian. I think you're a pompous, know-it-all, young boy living off his dad's mid-card name who needs to learn to keep his fucking mouth shut and listen a lot more and only gets a pop in Cincinnati. Other than that, keep up the good work with a thumbs up. Now, I've not seen Brian Pillman Jr. reply to that, and maybe he meant it as a compliment to say Bully's an asshole because Bully is an asshole, right? And the whole conversation was about Bully Ray being a heel, but, you know, he called Eric Bischoff an asshole, too, which will probably get a response from Eric Bischoff, too, because we know how he is, right? We talked about that earlier. Uh, if you're watching the full show, uh, but yeah, man, Pillman stepped in a beehive. Don't fuck with Bully Ray. He's going to eat you alive. And that was a pretty severe burial, like a very severe one. He brought his dad into it, called his dad a mid Carter. Oh shit. Which, which he was, but that's a sick burn because people like to, you know, think of Pillman as this big legend. And he's legendary for a lot of things, but being a main eventer is not one of them. And uh, ouch. And Brian Pillman is kind of living in that shadow still. He's yet to break out and find his own path. In fact, I feel like he's underwhelming. You know, he's been not featured on TV as much in AEW. But could that just be because he is so underwhelming? He, him and Griff, both, they, they haven't done anything to impress at all. I love Brian's look. I love that he's Brian Pillman's son, and I love his story and everything. But come on, man. It's time to step out of that shadow and step up. And speaking of stepping up, stepping up to Bully Ray on Twitter is just a dumb mistake. He got eaten alive by Bully. Now, did Bully need to be that harsh? No. But uh, such as Bully Ray, that's why he is an asshole. In fact, he, you know he is, and he knows he is too. And he was specifically showing that on display in this tweet here on purpose, I do believe, burying Pillman. And uh, Pillman has not said anything since that I was able to find on Twitter, though he's got a bajillion tweets. How do people tweet that much? I'll never know. I can barely bring myself to be on Twitter, let alone fucking tweeting 37 times a day but hey what do i know i'm just a guy down in his basement yelling at a microphone but i wanted to touch on this story because holy shit the drama that can just spark up out of nowhere and bully ate that fucking kid alive and it was almost glorious to watch glorious uh well what do you think was bully too harsh was it funny as fuck is pillman right is bully right Tell me a story about your mom and your favorite Christmas present. I don't care. Just it helps the algorithm to put something down in the comments. And on to the next. 
Dem boys, the Briscoe brothers, the 13-time Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions, were on Busted Open Radio this week with Dave LaGreca and Mark Henry. Uh, them boys all busted up, still scarred, still welted, still bruised, still showing the effects of the insane battle at Final Battle that was the final battle of the trilogy. Maybe, maybe not. We could see more from these guys. Um, but just what an epic match, and more on that on the backside. But first, let's go ahead and take a look at this clip here with Mark and Jay Briscoe talking about their epic battle with FTR. What is, like, when you look back at your career and you still have a lot more to give, what's your favorite moment so far? Shoo, man, that's a that's a tough one. I mean, it's it's hard, you know, because this one is just so fresh. You know, it just was two days ago, man. But I really think looking back, man, when we look back, when we when we old and retired and in the rocking chair and looking back, man, I think um, I think the trilogy of twenty twenty two Briscoes versus FTR, man, I, that's gonna be hard to beat. Awesome, Mark. You feel the same way? Yeah, I mean, definitely so, definitely so. And like you said, we're still we're still rolling. We still. We're still on the ride, and it's still, still, still. Hey, stay tuned. There's more to come. But, uh, but as of right now, on the ride, I'm definitely thinking that the three that we had with uh, with FTR is gonna stand out at the end of the day. This was an absolute match of the year candidate. This was one of the best matches I've seen in recent history. You know, FTR is like my favorite tag team. I love their fucking, just their technical prowess. The way that everything that they do is just, it's so fucking, they're just on another level as far as psychology and just their technical abilities and their delivery. It's its fantastic. And when they get in there and they mix it up with the Briscoes, you got these guys that are like technical wrestling, you know, fucking excellence of execution, like the Hitman, you know, tag team specialists. And then you got fucking, you got the Briscoes who are just, I mean, they, they can get in there and mix it up, you know, in with the tag teams as well in the ring, but they are brawlers. They're fighters. They're violent. And that's where they shine. And when you get those two styles together, it's fucking beautiful. You get these two teams out there that are just going. And they're leaving it all out there. They're hitting each other as hard as they can, or seemingly anyway. You know, they're, they're stiff. They're physical. They're aggressive. Everything looks realistic. It looks like a fight. It looks like they're trying to win a fight. Every move executed with expertise. Um, the brutality, the blood, the violence. This was just so goddamn good. You cannot find me a better double dog collar match. So it is the greatest tag team dog collar match of all time. Um, you know, I'd love to see it if there is another one. And now there probably hasn't been many in history. Um, I believe the Road Warriors have had a couple, haven't they? Uh, we've seen them before, but this, I believe might just be the greatest one and this was probably the best match of their trilogy too you know ftr uh briscoe's the first match was like a match of the year candidate already it was fucking amazing and then 
the second match was really, really good as well. It wasn't quite as good as that first match, but it was still better than, you know, anybody else was <laughs> having matches. You know what I mean? It was still match of the night, match of the week, match of the month. You know what I'm saying? So coming into this match, though, this was just it, this was the most beautiful thing I've seen in a long, long time. Beautiful, glorious violence. This is what pro wrestling should be. This was in the Briscoes have Briscoes are on record saying that FTR is probably the best tag team that they've ever been in. You, you heard them in that clip. They said it was their best match ever. The matches they've had with FTR. FTR says that the Briscoes are the best tag team that they've ever seen. They are made for each other. It was such a beautiful rivalry, such a beautiful trilogy. I hope they don't cap it off there. If they do, it's a trilogy. They got the trilogy out of it and it's a beautiful, amazing piece of art that they've left behind. But I think there's money still on the table in a briscoe's ftr briscoe's ftr four five six let's just keep it coming you know what i mean like fucking the, no one says you have to stop at three you know maybe you give it a break for a while you don't do it three more times this year but you you know you spread it out maybe like in two years there's a return match and people will be hyped for it because it's been two years and they're going to remember very fondly how good these ones were Man, the sky's the limit with this. And we don't know the future of these people. You know, FTR said they're looking to maybe take a year off after their AEW contract expires. Maybe that uh, will see them, you know, face the Briscoes again in Ring of Honor. Or maybe they never face the Briscoes again. You know, maybe they just go up to WWE and, you know, this is what we get out of it. But goddamn, if you haven't seen this particular match, that dog color match, I, I just go out of your way to find it. Find it on the Internet. Pay for it if you got to pay for it, if you got the means to. If not, find it. it. Just, you know, maybe somebody dropped it on the floor and you could pick it up on the Internet somewhere, you know. Just saying, um, but you you <laughs> watch watch this match. It's it, maybe it's on YouTube. I don't know. I haven't even checked. But goddamn, this is it's just you, you won't see a better dog collar match. I know I'm sitting here sucking his dick. And look, I know this show's about podcasts and not about the wrestling matches itself. But hey, we let in with a podcast clip. You know, Mark and Jay Briscoe, and they seem so humble too. You know, Mark was kind of yelling at uh, Mark Henry was yelling at them, saying you guys are allowed to be arrogant because that was a hell a match and you should say like yeah we're the shit um just kudos to everybody all around i think both teams cemented themselves as two of if not the two best teams maybe top three with with uh adding in the usos uh, of all time or, or not of all time but of this modern era for sure Matt Cardona, the former Zack Ryder, for those of you that have been living under a rock for the last couple years, was on the Insight podcast with Chris Van Vliet this week, talking all about his classic indie run that he's been on in the last couple years. No doubt one of the most uh, prolific independent runs in recent history. Still the internet champion, as he says here on this podcast. But it was in this particular clip right here, Chris was asking uh, Matt about if he has any plans to go back to the WWE. Have they contacted them? Have they not? Does he want to go back? And if he does go back, will he go back as Zack Ryder? Or will he go back as Matt Cardona? Check out this clip. 
And I feel like if you did go back to WWE, you wouldn't be Zack Ryder. You'd be Matt Cardona. I mean, if it was up to me, if I would ever go back, it would be as me. Always ready, Matt Cardona. Now, if there was going to be a surprise run-in or a Royal Rumble something, if the always ready music hit or the woo-woo hit, which one would get a bigger pop? I understand. Sure. You know, the, the, the Zack Ryder would. But I don't want to... I don't want to live in the past. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm 37 years old. I'm in the prime of my career. Uh, I mean, listen, I just don't want to be tied down anywhere in WWE. Not that I had handcuffs on by any means, but I was there for so long. I got signed when I was 20 years old. When did we get fired? 2020. So I was there for like 14 years. It's a long time, you know? So now it's, it's my chance to, to make my own schedule and be my own boss and branch out and do all these other things, whether it be, grow the major wrestling figure podcast or you know i just did the last match musical I'm, I'm, i did a fucking musical you know all these things that i'm getting to try now uh it just i don't want to be tied down anywhere i don't want to hey is this okay can i do this i don't want to do that yeah i think there were some rumors going around a couple weeks ago that wwe did have some interest in bringing in both matt and chelsea back to the wwe and matt has been on record that if he does go back he's going back as matt cardona he's not going back as Zack Ryder, and he's not going to do the woo 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 bullshit Ryder has completely reinvented himself matt cardona on the independent scene is like i said the most prolific independent wrestler in the business he's been on every major independent he's won championships in the major independents he's had trending spotlight high profile matches he's done everything that you could possibly do to get yourself over on the independent level when he calls himself the internet champion and he says that he is still is now and always will be forever the internet champion i think nobody does it better than matt cardona i think he's the blueprint on how you do this certainly the young bucks were the blueprint prior to that i think the young bucks had it down to a sweet science on how to monetize and make the most out of your independent career and even before him colt cabana colt cabana was like the uh prototype he was like version one of indie wrestler making himself a shit ton of money before colt cabana i mean he was the first guy doing a podcast he was the first guy to really bust out merch and just be hustling his merch everywhere and everything else he was the trendsetter he was the groundbreaker for that for the whole independent scene before that you had to have a big machine behind you you had to have the corporate wwe or the corporate WCW, or you had to have some kind of company behind you, TNA, whoever it was, pushing you as a product and selling your shit for you. That was no longer the case. Colt Cabana laid the blueprint, and he did a fantastic job, made more money on the indies than probably most people, I would imagine, uh, without ever really having any kind of TV exposure. And that's even more impressive. A little bit of Scotty Goldman, but not enough to, like, Oh, you're a megastar now. You know what I mean? Young Bucks took that model and ran with it. They talked about in their book that they consulted Colt Cabana about how to do it. And they did it to the best of their ability and did it better than probably anyone, even better than Colt. You know, their T-shirt print. They, they, they printed their own goddamn money off the merch that they were selling. And, uh, you know, they created a whole entire business for themselves where they were doing great. 
go around. They had their own Funko Pops, for Christ's sakes. Uh, you know, that is the peak epitome of, of being a true, uh, you know, independent, like, legend. You know, having all those bases covered for yourself. The hustle, the grind. And Matt Cardona is continuing that trend. He's so smart about it. From the podcast to the action figures to the to the I mean this dude has his own action figure toy line dude uh I mean just the amount of independence that he's doing and taking on the way he promotes himself the way that he can get eyeballs on him in big high profile matches like the death match that he had or you know competing for the NWA title Matt Cardona is in a league of his own as far as independent and right now he is the top guy doing it He's the fucking master. Now, will we see him back in WWE? Yeah, probably. I expect to. Uh, we have heard that Triple H is a little bit uh, down on the on the guys that he's brought back to the company. So we might see him slowing down on that a little bit. But I don't think he can go wrong bringing back Chelsea and Matt. I think those, those two know how to hustle. They know how to grind. They know how to get themselves over. And I don't think they're going to be as complacent as some of these other talents that have been brought back by Triple H too little to disappointing results. So I think he would be an excellent hire, but it sounds like he's got more to get out of his system. You know, he's going to be one of those guys. I talked about this last week with FTR talking about wanting to take a year off before they sign another TV deal. Cardona is going to be one of those guys that won't sign another TV deal probably until either it's going to allow him to do everything he wants to keep doing, or he's ready to just fucking sell his soul to the machine and retire you know what i mean he's got to have his retirement run and then he can sign back up with the machine and kind of ride out the end of his career there where he doesn't need to worry about all the other side stuff because he's already done it all but it'll be remaining to it will remain to be seen or be remaining to be seen as i was gonna say um, I expect to see both of them in the WWE, to be honest with you, and probably sooner than later. But, you know, look, they might take another year or two off, but they'll both be there. They will both be in there. And I'm looking forward to seeing it, and I'm looking forward to seeing what a Matt Cardona can achieve in WWE as Matt Cardona because he's a main event player, in my opinion. I truly believe so. And Chelsea, too. Chelsea can hang with, you know, she's very talented, and she's only getting better, and she can hang with anybody else on that roster. So excited to see it. But what do you think? Let me know down in the comments below. And on to the next. Mia Yim, a.k.a. Mi Chin, if you're feeling nasty and that's your kind of thing, has officially taken down her Twitter account, at least for now. Gone dark with it over a photo that came out on the internet of her and uh, Austin Theory. And she was like jumped up in his arms and had her legs wrapped around him and was hugging around his neck and stuff. And... They were just smiling for the camera, and then the internet went nuts about it. I think she posted it on her Twitter, and then everybody just kind of, like, piled on. Like, bro, what are you doing? Cheating on Keith Lee? What the fuck's your problem, ho? <laughs> this is the uh, image right here, if you haven't seen it. And uh, she's just 
got it fucking hard by the internet and then the comments you know i I had some fun hanging out in the comments just watching things people were saying and it seemed pretty mixed you know there's people defending her oh she can't take a picture with anybody nowadays and then there's other people like this is kind of a kind of a kind of a risque picture to be taken with another man when you're married right So she just decided to just take herself off Twitter so she didn't have to see any of this. Apparently that was a bit much for her. She did uh, have a tweet, I think, before she did, like, I can't even take a picture with a friend. Uh, you know, I love one man or my I only have eyes for one man. I get it. I get what she's saying, you know, but <laughs> guys, fellas, if your wife had a picture of herself, jumped up in the muscular, chiseled Greek god arms of a shirtless man <laughs> with her arms wrapped around him tight and her legs wrapped around him tight, smiling, and he's holding her tight in his arms, his muscular, chiseled arms, oiled up arms even. Wouldn't that make you just a little, unless you're a cuckold and you like that kind of stuff, no judgment, that's fine. Hey, I mean, Austin Theory's a stud. Be quite the bull, wouldn't he be? But I mean, like, I think there's a lot of guys that would get a little off put by that. I don't know. I mean, jealous, maybe. Yeah, if some guys are prone to jealousy, that could cause a lot of jealousy. Um, but at least enough, I mean, it would make me put her in check. I'll say that. I don't know if jealousy would be the word, but I'd be like, bro, what the fuck are you doing? Putting pictures on the internet with your fucking legs and arms wrapped around some fucking naked dude. Not cool. Like, I'm not going to, you know, be mad about it, but it's not cool. You know what I mean? I, I don't know unless... You know, unless Austin's a personal friend of the family and I'm just I know him as little Austin and I, you know, he's just like cousin Austin and it's no big deal. But I see why people on the Internet were kind of having it's not just like they were posting like, what up, y'all deuces? You know what I mean? They weren't just like posing for a camera. She was in his muscular, shirtless, oiled up, chiseled out of stone arms with her legs wrapped around him. And she was, you know, I mean, they're both in their wrestling gear, but they were both scantily clad. You know, it's scantily clad ring gear. I I don't know. I see why people, it wasn't a PG, it wasn't, it was a PG photo. It wasn't sexual, but it was closer than it was closer than maybe it should be for a married woman maybe maybe not maybe you don't care but you know they easily could have just did even with their cheeks touching they're both together in the picture they're throwing up the deuces you know what i'm saying like there's nothing wrong with having pictures with other men while you're married uh, what is questionable is the type of picture that you're taking. Uh, you know, those are the kind of pictures that like boyfriend girlfriends take, you know, like, Oh, I'm in your arms. Like that's a legit like wedding picture that people take, you know, yeah. but I mean, Hey, who am I to judge? 
whatever you like, whatever you're into, whatever goes on in your bedroom, I have at it. You know what I mean? If you're into that cuck stuff, go for it. <laughs> and then the other side of the outrage, like, oh, you can't take a picture with a... I, you guys know my opinion on it. I've been pretty clear about that. I don't think any harm was real. Any real harm was done here. Uh, but it was... It's not even a bad picture. I think I might even be coming off a little harsher. Like I, no harm done, but it's worth questioning. It's worth saying, bro, not cool. What's up with that? You know, like, was there a reason for that picture? Like, I get why the fans are questioning it. It's not like just two buddies posing for a picture. It's a questionable picture, and the internet questioned it. And uh, Mia Yim, I mean, I get where she's coming from, and I, she made her point, uh, but she's, you know, got to deal with that kind of stuff. It's a silly picture to take, in my opinion. It just is. Call me traditional. Whatever the fuck. But, uh, you know, she went ahead and took herself off Twitter so she don't have to deal with that until all this blows over, which I'm sure it will, and she'll be fine. Good old Mi Chin will be back. Don't worry about that. Um, but that's all I got for you on this one. Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. Would you be cool with your wife taking those kind of pictures? I, I mean, Austin Theory is a pretty goddamn handsome man, is he not? He's a very studly dude. He's a hunky boy. If you watch uh, Psycho Goreman, you know the hunky boys, right? <laughs> so let me know your thoughts down in the comments below and on to the next. That's it, y'all. Thank you for checking out the show. I appreciate you watching all the way to the end. I'm excited to fucking get on some Christmas vacation. I will miss hanging out with you guys. Barring any breaking news, again, just a reminder, no show next week, which is Christmas Day. Christmas Christmas Day. And I'm sorry for all you people that do not celebrate Christmas. Um, but no show. And then uh, New Year's Day, no show. Barring any major breaking news, uh, you know, I'm not going away. I will be around. I'm going to be working on other stuff and uh, gearing up for the new year as I plan on doubling up and going hard as fuck next year with all kinds of shit. More shorts. Got another book on the way. Probably going to do some updating to some of the graphics and stuff. I don't know that the graphics will change here much, but I'll do a little bit of tweaking and stuff. Always evolving. Always trying to improve at the very least. So I'm going to take that time to kind of improve all that. But if anything crazy happens, any big late-breaking news, uh, I'll jump in and I'll record something for it and at least do a clip for it. At least do a segment on it. Uh, you know, might not going to be a whole show or anything, but we'll certainly address any major topics this week. Had a crazy week. Uh, I expect things to chill out around the holidays, though, and I hope you guys chill out around the holidays. I hope you get to relax, have some fun, enjoy time with your families or your fucking dog or whatever you do on Christmas. I uh, hope Santa brings you lots of good presents, all that kind of fun stuff. 
Um, keep an eye out if you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening on the podcast. Why are you not on my YouTube channel? Uh, hop on over and check me out. It's going to uh, have some updated bonus content of some kind over the holidays. I am going to do a watch along for sure of one match. Um, it's going to be actually of a I found a match. I can tell you here at the end, uh, it's going to be, I found a match with Asuka uh, when she was in Japan tag, in a tag, like a mixed tag match where he, she, she spent a significant amount of time in the ring with Minoru Suzuki and uh, it's, it's pretty intense. So I thought I would share that with you guys. You know, WWE uh, kind of put a damper on my watch alongs that I did for some of their content. Uh, around Survivor Series, I did some War Games watch-alongs and stuff. I did a fun Royal Rumble watch-along, and WWE took it all down. They said, fuck you, you can't have that. I disputed it, and it was back up for a little bit, and then they took it all down again, and they said, nope, fuck you some more. And I kind of kept pushing it and keep driving it because it does fall under fair use to do a watch-along because you're doing commentary and reactions and stuff, but... The end of the day, it's not worth the fight. You know what I mean? So for like for the views that they were getting anyway, that kind of stuff. But I think this one will slide under the radar. I'm hoping anyway, because it's from Japan. So it's <laughs> so we're gonna go ahead and try a watch along for that. I'm gonna maybe do. I'm thinking about some rankings. Uh, you know, it's been a while since I've done a tier ranking. Maybe that would be a fun one to bust out as well, or a tournament of some kind. I gotta think outside the box. I gotta get to thinking about that. But I am gonna produce more content over the next couple weeks. Just not gonna be doing full episodes of the Pro Wrestling Podcast. Podcast. It's a lot of work, to be quite frank, and uh, especially when things are slow, uh, as I expect them to be on the podcast front. A lot of the podcasts are gonna be playing best ofs and that kind of thing. As those people spend time with their family on the holidays and people are going to be traveling, I'm going to be traveling. It's like, you know, whatever. So, but that's just uh, to set your expectations. So if you don't see me for two weeks, don't think I abandoned you or that I'm going away. I'm going to come back harder and hotter than ever in 2023. And I don't just mean hotter on the podcast. I mean, I'm going to be sexier too. I'm going to get sexier. Over the new year, lift some, lift some weights, beef up, take some steroids like The Rock, you know. Um, that's all I got for you. Like, follow, subscribe, Seth at Seth Grimes Media on Facebook, TikTok, or Twitter if you're on any of those. I'll be hitting those harder in the new year as well. It's been a, a spot I've been slacking on. It's keeping content posted on social media. And especially the shorts and stuff as of taking on the reaction videos. I've been uh, that's kind of eaten up a lot of my editing time where I would spend on on shorts and stuff. But I'm going to try to, you know, if I got to squeeze an extra day in or just do what I got to do, I mean, got to do what I got to do until I make it. You know what I mean? I'm going to keep the grind. My main goal for 2023 is to get my YouTube subscribers up over a thousand i have just passed 600 as of this recording so i got 400 more to go it's been climbing quicker the higher i go the more the quicker the easier you know once i'm up 100 the next 100 is easier to get so you know once i hit 500 600 came around pretty quick and so on so i'm hoping 
fairly quickly in 2023, I can hit that 1,000 subscriber mark where I can start monetizing. I can add a merch store to the YouTube channel down in the links. I can start, you know, attracting sponsorships, and that's going to allow me to continue doing this, and eventually I want to just do this full-time. This show, other shows, lots of shows. I'll be doing fucking five times the content if I'm a full-timer, and that's my dream. That's my goal, anyway. That's what we're working towards. I'm going to ask Santa Claus for it, and we'll see what he brings me under the tree. Hopefully, he brings me your subscription, and that's all I got for you. Peace, love, and pizza. I am your boy, Seth Grimes, and we will catch you in the next episode. I almost did my reactions (laughs) ending. I get them mixed up. I do that with the reaction channel, too. Uh, You know, I'll... Try to end it like the pro wrestling podcast. Because my reaction channel is like, we'll catch you in the next reaction. And I, and I do that. And that's exactly what I'm just going to do here. Um, but this has been the pro wrestling podcast. <clears throat> Ready? Podcast. <laughs>